Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Everybody good? All right, well, I want to jump into the Word here and then maybe do some ministry stuff at the end, which I'm really, really excited about. We've been on this sermon series called Jesus is Our Model for Ministry, and it's been about seven weeks long, but three weeks ago I asked that if you were going to hear that sermon, that you would also hear last week's sermon and this week's sermon. So three weeks ago I talked about how the normal Christian life is supposed to have miracle signs and wonders following us. The Bible says that. Jesus tells us that they're going to follow us, so we're not pursuing them, but it is supposed to be a normal part of our life. Last week I talked about, the title was, was Is Jesus a Charismatic? And I talked about how Jesus lived an ultra-spiritual life, but he also lived a very structured life, and which was a, I thought it was a really good sermon. And uh, you got to check that out. We have a podcast on iTunes. It's free. You can check that out if you missed it. But today, I'm equally as excited about this sermon. I'm going to talk to you about holiness. And I, I've titled this, be holy as I am holy. Everyone say that with me. Be holy as I am holy. God has called us to be a chosen people that walk upright and live a holy lifestyle. You and I are called into being high character people, but even more importantly, a holy people. The reason why this is so important to me, specifically in this order, is that I think for our church as it's continuing to grow, I want to be really clear on my stance and our stance, and I believe God's stance, on character and holiness. It's very, when you get into what last week I called a charismatic environment or Holy Spirit-led environment, a lot of people have a connotation of that as though, that's do whatever you want, your life is unstructured, and your behavior just doesn't matter. Could not be more far from the truth, which we're going to talk about today. So that's why I felt like it was so important to have these kind of these three together as we're going to talk about character and holiness today. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've read the Bible or heard that God is holy. Everyone's heard that, right? God is holy. And there's tons of scripture on that. I'm about to read some of those. We celebrate his holiness and we celebrate his goodness. We celebrate his kindness and we will never stop championing how holy God is. That is something that because of how holy he is, he allows us to be in our process, and he loves us the same. So I want to start with two extremely famous verses here today um, on the holiness of God. I'm going to lay some foundation of holiness. I'm going to talk to you about how Jesus walked it out, and I'm going to talk to you about grace and the proper context of grace in the New Covenant. How many of you are glad we're in the New Covenant? Um, Exciting. Okay, so I'm going to read... Um, I'm going to read a pretty good amount of scripture here, so you can just follow along with me if you want. This is also recorded if you'd like to hear it after. So I'm going to read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 3. Now, Isaiah was a prophet. God spoke to him regularly in the Old Testament. God would speak to him about mainly about two things, when Jesus was coming and what was going to happen, and also the end times. And so those of you who have been... As you're walking in a spirit-led life, sometimes you see things in the spirit and you try to put language to it. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. But this is where we get a lot of our context of what the throne room looks like, this verse and the next verse. So Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And that just... It's great when scripture just reads for itself. Wait till you hear this one. So that was Isaiah, a um, long time ago, prophesied that. We're about to read in Revelation. I'm going to read the entire chapter 4, which is about, I think it's 11 verses. Now, the book of um, John, Jesus' best friend, wrote the book of Revelation. The, Jesus had one who he loved. Who they were more in, he was more intimate with John than anyone else, and John wrote this book. Theologians say it's about 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus, the book of Revelation was written. So this is John writing to us about an encounter that he had with God. This is where we, we get our end-time theology from, mainly is from this book of Revelation. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? Bizarre, right? Spirit language in there. It's just, it's unique. So here we go. Chapter 4, I'm going to read all this. You guys ready? Okay, this is John speaking. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what may, must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven. I'm going to just capture that. And once I was in the Spirit. So all of a sudden was in the Spirit. Just if you yield your life to God, sometimes fun stuff happens. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one and with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had an appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne, there were burning seven torches of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, there was a sea of glass like crystal. Pretty wild. He's describing the throne room of heaven. Pretty, pretty incredible. And around the throne, only, this, is, this is in the Bible, what I'm about to read. This is creepy and awesome. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind them. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each one of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Day and night, they're, they're acknowledging, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I made it through that without crying. That's good. Um, incredible. And then a 
just amazing. This is what's going on in the throne room of heaven. I wanted to highlight one side note real quick. They're saying, Worthy are you, Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. You created all things, and they by your will they existed and were created. One of the thing, one of the reasons why heaven is praising God is because he create he's a creator. You and I are called to create. And I, when I was young, I used to think that just meant like a painting. It's not it. It's creating something that's not there, and then all of a sudden it is there. In your business, you create something. How you parent, you, you create a new way of doing it. God enjoys when you create. We have a ministry here called Creative Connect that meets like once every six weeks. It's just it's really, really cool. I love that. Okay, so what are these angels saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If I could take a little bit of liberty here, there's people that I know and trust that have had experiences like this where they've gone to heaven, and the way they've described it is the six, the scariest things in the world are these living creatures. I mean, God has, can you imagine, he's chosen these beings to be on his throne. It's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Crazy. Um, you don't want to mess with these things. They're obviously like security I mean, intense. But the way some, some people have described it is the word holy is, is being said so much that it's just this vibration of the word. Like they can't help themselves but say, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord. Being around that much holiness just demands a response like that. Now, we love that, right? Like we love that God is holy. Because he's holy, we acknowledge his holiness. Now what they're saying is, if you could think about it like this, God, everything in you is right. Everything in you is pure. Everything in you is just. You execute well. Your leadership is well. You're flawless. You design perfectly. You manage things perfectly. Everything you say yields a return. Just, everything in God is right. Have you ever seen something you're like, that's just the right way to do it. That, that, that person just does it right. Everything about God is like that, and they're just acknowledging his purity. The Bible says there's no shadow around him. Like nothing can overshadow him. He's just so pure light just radiates off of him. And that's just amazing. Is that amazing to anyone else? Now that's, that's easy for us to understand, and we like that. We like that God's perfect. We like that he's holy. We like that he's flawless. We like that he has high character. We like, we like everything about that. There's a couple places in the Bible where God turns the table on us, and he says, I want you to be holy like I'm holy. Okay, let me read a couple verses on that, just so you know I'm not lying. This is in the Bible. I'm going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, to Leviticus chapter 19, just verse 1 and 2. This is God talking to Moses. And he said, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for the Lord God am holy. This is in the Old Testament, and God is telling Moses, Go tell the people to be holy like I'm holy. Okay, now I'm going to go to... It's the last time I'm jumping around in the Bible. I'm going to go to First Peter. Peter says the same thing. Now, Peter was the man. Peter was the, the, the apostle that was going for it all the time. I love Peter. And this is what Peter says. This is chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you, you also be holy in all, you, in all your conduct. 
since it is written, how he's referring back to the Leviticus verse, you shall be holy for I am holy. Okay. Now, God is a good loving father. So God doesn't give us a command. God doesn't give us a suggestion or a desire and not equip us to fulfill it. So God wouldn't say, hey, I want you to mow the front yard and not give you a lawnmower. Hey, I want you to nail this in and not give you a nail. That's a cruel father. He's a good father. So when he's telling us in his word, I want you to be holy like I'm holy, that means he actually thinks we can do that. He's requiring us to live an upright lifestyle of holiness. And he believes that you and I can actually accomplish this goal. Isn't that amazing? He has equipped us to live a holy lifestyle. All right. Now, I'm not saying that we're God. I'm not saying we're little gods. We, we're not as holy as God. Obviously, we've all fallen short, right? But we are in the bloodline. And we are sons and daughters. And his word says that we can be as holy as him. So I need to change my theology to actually believe that. He believes that it's possible. Therefore, we need to believe that it's possible. That we can be holy before him and blameless. Okay. Now, when I'm talking about holiness, I'm not just talking about having a high level of character. I'm all about living a disciplined lifestyle, having great routines in your life, and having high character. If you've followed me around with a camera all day, you would see that's how I believe that that's how my life is supposed to be. I believe everyone is supposed to be disciplined in their behaviors, have good routines, which leads to fruit in your life. But that doesn't lead necessarily to holiness. So here's the difference. You can discipline your life a life of discipline and structure can lead to a level of holiness. I'm sorry, can lead to a high level of character. But only intimacy with God can make you holy. Let me say that again. So structuring your life to have a high level of discipline can have, can have manifest as high character in your life. But only intimacy with God can make you holy. It's like with my wife. I can discipline myself to be a better husband which I have and I'll continue to do. But if I want intimacy, if I want to go to the next step, it won't happen by discipline. It won't happen by routine. How many guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, I checked all the boxes. She's like, yeah, but you didn't hit my heart. (sighs) We're doing a month of marriage in March, so you can come and hear all about my struggles. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But it's true. So I'm not just talking about living a life of, of just a high discipline. I'm talking about connecting with God and and from a place of conviction being holy like he is holy. Amen? All right. There is, I want to cover a couple things to make sure we're on the same page. I do believe the Bible tells us in several places that the blood of Jesus made us holy. The blood of Jesus made us righteous. And I'm 100% in agreement with that. It's what he did, not what we did. Okay? That's 100% true. I mentioned last week that the kingdom has multiple truths going at the same time. So I'm going to give you an equal justice true. Okay? All about Jesus. It's what Jesus did. His blood made me holy. At the same time, he has given me free will. And he's requiring things for me. And he's expecting my behavior to manifest in positive ways. I have a hand in this thing. You are not a robot. 
So here's the difference. The blood forgave you and gave you acceptance. And that will never change. But if you want to advance in God, your behavior matters. So the the grace message that I'm about to cover in a minute, that's just laissez-faire, God loves me, 100% true. That's what children need. I just need to know you love me. My four-year-old, that's all she needs. If, if once they want to advance, I'm going to start disciplining and correcting them in a way so they can advance. Are you with me? Both are true. It's the same way with God. So you are spotless and you are blameless before God, and your character doesn't matter in that context. But if you want to advance in God, your behavior really, really matters. Does that make sense to you? Okay, Jesus modeled this for us perfectly. Everything Jesus did was from intimacy with God. Jesus was very structured, but he wasn't, he wasn't isolating to be with the Father and do all he did out of discipline. He was doing it from connection. There is no way that he could have lived that life out of sheer sweat and blood and tears and structure. He was doing it because he was connected with God. There's a difference in lovers and just dis- discipline. Are you with me? Okay, I'm going to read a couple verses here that talk about how Jesus did it. I'm going to set this up a little bit. Jesus, if you could theologically range with me a little bit, I'm not trying to scare anybody, just hear me out. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He wasn't 50-50. Jesus modeled what it would be like for a human being, a full human being, yielded to God, free of sin, and led by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus can say, go do what I've been doing. He's not saying that as God. Did you, did you understand what I just said? He's saying that as a man yielded to God. If he said it just as God, we will just clap and say, good job. But when he did it as a man, now we're, we have to follow it. And again, he gave us all the tools and equipment. He gave us the lawnmower to come to the front yard. Okay? So Jesus modeled for us what it would be like to live a holy lifestyle. And he was tempted in every way, just like you and me. Okay, 1 Peter 2.22. He who committed no sin, and they found no deceit in his mouth. Jesus was sinless. Everything he said, he had no deceit in him. Jesus modeled the Father perfectly. He's, there's no deceit in the throne room, so there was none in Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all areas tempted and yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in the same ways that you and I are tempted. And he was able to rise above it and live a holy lifestyle. And he is calling you and I to live that lifestyle. Amen? Okay. Here's the thing. God really believes in us. He really thinks that we can live a righteous, holy lifestyle. It's amazing. He, he is so empowering and he trusts us. He talks to us like he thinks our brains work. He thinks we can figure this out. Like, y'all are adults. You'll figure it out. Like, you can be holy as I'm holy. If you just say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and this woe is me, crud, it's disempowering. It's completely disempowering. But 
when you realize that he wants to have you at the same level of holiness he's at. It's very empowering. Okay, here's a couple pitfalls that you can fall into when I start talking about living a holy lifestyle. And I'm going to end on talking about grace. Okay, so the first pitfall is this. I'm not talking about sin management. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where you, the, it becomes the goal in Christianity just to manage your sin. We don't deal with the root. We just put extra things on the outside so we don't do it as much. When I was 15, accountability was don't do that sin a lot. That's a very low form of relationship. It, it, and it, it doesn't get to the root. Every, we sang it tonight. Everything Jesus does gets to the root. He gets to the root of everything. It's not just about putting safe protectors around you so that you don't sin. Now, at the same time, if you have a serious problem and some form of addiction, you need to have your sin managed. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's not the goal. The goal is to not just sin less and have good sin management. Are you with me? All right. The other side that's potentially false that we can stumble into here is falling into performance. I am not talking about performing for God's love. Typically, Christians, when it's void of relationship, we hear all the rules and we get really excited and we put all the parameters in our life and we start thinking, the better I do, the more he'll love me. Or the more I do, the more he'll love me. The problem is it's like a carrot that you can't catch. So we just get exhausted. And God's not asking for any of it. And so we're just trying to prove, we're trying to show him that we're doing the right thing. And he's like, I'm not asking for any of this behavior. Stop. It's still a form of sin management. Now, when we're, we want to, we want to um, we're not trying to perform we're trying to let him prune us in advance. Here's the thing. Orphans who don't know the Father perform. Orphans, like, oh, maybe I can get attention. Sons want pruning. I want, okay, how do I take over the family business? All right, teach me how to do that. How do I do that? Okay, don't do that. Okay, I won't do that. Are you with me? So, But I'm not performing, but I do want to advance. All right? Okay, and the third one, which I'm going to sit on for a couple minutes here, is the abuse of grace. All right. This is a, this is a very important topic to me. Uh, there's multiple reasons. One, I think it's on God's heart. Two, I think for our community, as we're continuing to grow, this is really important. This is very important that you understand my heart on this subject, which I think is the heart of the Father. Okay? I understand how what perception looks like when you have worship like we had tonight. I know what the outside looks in and sees when you believe in prophecy. And I'm fine with all that. What I'm not fine with is us being sloppy with our character and holiness. Are you with me? Okay. That's, that's a big deal for me. I am fine with a mess. I'm fine with a big mess. I don't want a mess because of character. Are you with me? That's a, that's a, during worship, I was thinking, this is like a zoo, and I'm in charge of it. <laughs> all right, all right. Am I the one allowing all this to happen right now? Uh, and I'm fine with all of it. Obviously, I love it. I want times a thousand of that. I want angels ascending and descending and all of it. But 
in any way does that lower our morals, our character, or our holiness. You with me? All right. Here we go. You have to, you have to range with me here theologically. Y'all ready? This is, um, I'm going to talk to you about the real gift of grace and not the abuse of grace. All right. Grace from God is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace in God is not, I can do whatever I want. My behavior doesn't matter. God covers it. It's the exact opposite. Grace is the divine enablement to live a holy life. Okay. Grace is not about sin. Grace is about holiness. Grace isn't there to cover sin. It's about putting us into holiness. So we have to change our entire perspective over this context of grace that it just it covers all my sin and my behavior doesn't matter. 100% false. The truth is, is that it's there to launch us into our destiny and it's there to launch us into holiness. Now here's where grace is. I'm pursuing holiness and I fail. There's grace. Grace isn't over here, I mess up, there's grace on purpose. You get what I'm saying? I didn't get married to see how much I can get away with. Okay? All right, now this is what happens. When children are controlled, middle school, high school life, when parents are controlling, 18 hits, and what happens? They go crazy. I mean, this is where it goes berserk, right? It's similar in the context of grace when Christians first step into it. So what happens is if people have been in a very controlled religious environment, they either hear the revelation of grace or they have an encounter with God and they don't understand and they just start doing whatever they want. And they start thinking their behavior doesn't matter at all and God's grace is going to cover it. You with me? Okay, here's the deal. God's grace will cover it. And you can do anything you want, like the prodigal son, and he will cover it. But if you want to advance, you can't just keep living that way. If you want to be an infant forever, let grace cover your sin. If you want to be holy, start managing yourself. Are you with me? Okay. The entire Bible is a love letter and a love story between God and man. I'm paraphrasing a lot here. I just, I'm going to cover the whole Bible here in like two minutes. The whole time, God is trying to connect with us, with his kids. That's the entire Old Testament. He's sending prophets. He's in the Ark of the Covenant. He's showing himself in really unique ways, fire, blah, 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 all this stuff. And he, what he's trying to do is get close to us. Now, the power of sin, because of how holy he is, the power of sin is so strong that there was such a strong disconnect that it was very hard for God to be near his people. So what God would do is he would have us sacrifice animals. How many of you are thankful we don't do that? You get, now you get arrested when you do that, so don't, don't sacrifice animals. Where I live, I mean, you could, I mean, I'm just kidding. Um, Okay, we had a weird episode with a goat one time. I'm, I'm just joking. I did not kill a goat. I did not hurt a goat. I'm totally joking. <clears throat> um, so we don't do that anymore. But what would happen is, paraphrasing here is a lot to this, is over 250 Judaic laws. But the, the high priest would sacrifice a goat, and it would cover my sin. And that would go for, say, a week. 
And so every week I would get covered. Like that's just the way God did it. He, God would be close to me once the animal got sacrificed. Okay. This is very external based management. Let me, let me explain my behavior, unless it's really bad, like breaking one of the first commandments almost didn't matter. I just had to be a decent civilian. My thought life didn't matter. God's distant and I'd sacrifice an animal. And that's just kind of how we manage life. You with me? All right. Now Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus ushers in grace. How many of you are thankful for the, the New Testament, right? Okay. Jesus modeled something really, really interesting though. Jesus didn't model do whatever you want. Jesus didn't model that the Father's grace will cover it. Your behavior doesn't matter at all. You got to catch this. Jesus actually raised the standard from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He said it like this. You've heard it said if you commit adultery, it's a sin. Now if you even think it, it's like it happened. Jesus took it from behavior-based, external, into I'm requiring so much of you now, I don't even want that in your thought life. So the truth is it should be, oh gosh, we're in the New Testament. <laughs> Did you get that? The, the truth is it's not going more free it's actually requiring more holiness. It's not go do whatever you want more. It's, oh gosh, I have to control my thought life. It felt really good. That is what God wants from you and I. He, he is wanting us to manage our souls, our mind, will, and emotion to a place where we don't even think like that. It's so above sin. We are so connected with him that we don't even think those things. All right. We all have bad thoughts. There's where there's, that's where there's grace. You, I'm not, you're going to leave here tonight and have a sinful thought. Can we just be honest? Okay, I'm going to leave here tonight, and I will probably have a thought that I don't want to have. There's grace for it. And tomorrow I start again. And I'm advancing in the kingdom. Grace keeps advancing me into who I'm supposed to be. Are you with me? So, in the New Testament, <clears throat> our behavior matters even more. Let me let me explain this again. It's it's very easy in Christianity um, to be. Can be careful what I say here. Leadership in Christianity still likes the Old Testament model. I will control you and put parameters around you. The New Testament model is you manage yourself and I'll manage me. I don't control you. Does that make sense to you? It's internal based management. Okay. Hey, uh, here's your job description. Love for you to work here. You're a good candidate. This is what we do. If you don't abide by that, you can't work here. I love you. You just need to manage yourself to where you can work here. Just making sense to you? Like you, you manage you. I am not going to control you to become who you're supposed to become. I'm going to walk with you for you to become who you're supposed to become. But I'm not, I am not in charge of your life. You are. It's funny. I can feel in Christianity and Christian circles, I can feel when people, they don't feel, they're so used to being controlled that they don't feel loved when I don't go so far out of my way to pursue them. 
you're in charge. I don't even, I don't know you. <laughs> Keep coming to church, we'll grow, grow a relationship, but I'm not going to control you. Here's another one. If someone doesn't come for a month, no one calls them. Sorry, to this church. Like, you're free. Do whatever you want. Manage you. I'm not going to manage you. This is supposed to be good news. Is this coming out okay? <laughs> I love you. I want everyone to come to church here. I just, you manage yourself, I manage me. That's what Jesus modeled. Hey, he literally would, this is Jesus going to a city and saying, hey, if they don't want it, just go to the next town. We're like, no, 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 like, you know, like, just, just camp out. You know, we throw out the 99 for one in weird context and like exhaust ourselves. Like, no, they don't want it. Go to the next city. <laughs> That was not planned. I wasn't supposed to say any of that tonight, but <laughs> just felt right just to say that you are free because that's the way the New Testament, New Testament manages. That's the way God manages. You can do anything you want. You're a free-willed human being that you can choose the life you want. God is not controlling you. As a Christian leader, I am not controlling you. I don't know what's best for you. You know what's best for you. Or get around people to hold you accountable. Okay, maybe I do know what's best for you because I'm pretty smart, but I'm saying... <laughs> You can like, I'm just kidding. All right. Are you with me? Okay, so in the New Testament, grace is divine enablement to live a holy lifestyle, not do whatever you want. That is not, again, in this southern region, that's not like a major topic. When I lived in the West Coast, far more free in, in certain areas. So just to be clear on a couple things as we're doing this. So holiness and character really matter so listen i'm the grace guy like i'm all about you i let people walk out their process in ways that i'm like almost in complete disagreement with like you you're on your journey with god and you're walking in accountability in the word live your life you're you're where you're supposed to be and if someone's trying to live holy a holy lifestyle i will walk forever with you in your mistakes I'm not okay with just blatant disregard for moral standards. Okay, so homosexuality, it's not okay. It's not okay. Gossip's not okay. Lying's not okay. Adultery's not okay. Anger's not okay. Deceit is not okay. God's requiring us to not walk in these things. Are you with me? There is a difference when I accept your behavior because I love you and agreeing with your behavior. I don't have to agree. I can accept you as a brother in Christ and not agree with what you're doing. I'm not, you know why I'm not going to judge the speck in your eye? Because I have a log in mine. You with me? How many of you are hot? Okay, we're, the majority wins, the two guys in the front. So we rent here at New Life. We're so off path right now. We rent here at New Life, and it has the strongest air conditioner, like, in the world. <laughs> I'll change it one degree, and it, like, feels like it's 20 degrees, and it goes back up. It's so funny how it works. Half the building doesn't work, but the AC is, like, top-notch, <laughs> which I'm super thankful for. Okay, are you guys with me? Yeah. Living a holy lifestyle? God is requiring us to be holy. How many of you want to be holy like he's holy? All right, and I'm going to end with Psalm 20. This, and then we'll do a couple prophetic things. 
Psalm 24. Okay, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who? There's a good question. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And he who will stand in his holy place? Who will be close to God who will stand in his holy place? Next verse. He who has clean hands and a pure heart and who does not lift up his soul to what is false. If we want to see God, we need to live a holy lifestyle. Are you with me? He'll love you no matter what. But if we want to see more, we need to be holy. Amen.